Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Just before we jump into the show, uh, whatever platform you're joining the conversation from today, we would love for you to subscribe, download, uh, follow, maybe even leave a five-star rating and a review helps out so much in spreading the podcast and all the content we share here. Uh, we're here in uh, a, uh, an episode that's building on past episodes. The most recent episode that uh, we, we, we did on this was entitled The Art of Becoming, Navigating the Process of Spiritual Formation. Um, and in this one, we're going to dive into that even more. It's such a huge topic. topic. And for that, uh, we brought back Dr. Barber. Dr. Barber, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. So in that last episode, The Art of Becoming, Navigating the Process of Spiritual uh, Formation, uh, we, we talked about a few things. We talked about understanding the process, uh, spiritual formation, understanding it's a lifelong journey uh, of being conform, conformed to the image of Christ, uh, but with that, the caveat of for the sake of others. Um, and if you want to know more about that, go back and listen to that episode. But the big takeaway there is it's a continual process of growth and transformation. We also talked about recognizing those influences. And we, we did that in a couple episodes. Um, our personalities, the beliefs we have, they're shaped by various factors, including life experiences, uh, mediated experiences, relationships. Uh, and those those impact how we view God. Uh, and ourselves. We also talked about the importance of healing from the past and understanding our story uh, in order to to move forward in spiritual formation because spiritual formation involves unlearning negative patterns and finding healing from those past hurts, uh, especially in the area of relationships. We talked a lot about how even being made in the image of God uh, is is relationship um, with the, with the Trinity. Uh, requires uh, the spiritual formation requires acknowledging the positive and negative influences we've experienced and seeking God's guidance for transformation. We also also talked about the fact that spiritual growth requires intentional reflection, discernment in aligning our thoughts, attitudes, and actions. Talked a lot about neuropathways being formed with our, our repetitive actions and cycles, but putting those with Christ's example and it involves constantly asking ourselves, among other things, what would Jesus do in making choices consistent with our desired transformation? And then finally wrapping up that, that recap there, we talked about living for others. The ultimate purpose of spiritual formation is to be conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's about embodying Christ-like attitudes and behaviors and seeking to influence others through genuine relationships and selfless love. So, Dr. Barber, as I read through those, uh, I mean, it's a pretty brief synopsis, I know. There's a lot more in the episode, which took a lot to kind of pack it all in there. But as we talk back through that um, that synopsis, is there anything else that you're thinking about this time around, this episode here, that maybe you would have added into that episode or maybe to build on as we've talked about that, that previous episode on understanding spiritual uh, formation? Well, in some ways, this is repetitive, but it may add or shed new light on on a thing. Uh, there is a YouTube video um, 
that uh, is called the backwards bicycle. Okay. And um, um, the uh, person who put this together is uh, is an engineer. He's also a believer. Uh, so you get good, clean things on, on his channel. And um, some of the guys in the shop thought they'd play a joke on him. And so they took a bicycle, put some gears up on the front so that when you turn the handlebars to the left, the wheel actually turns to the right. And they dared him, said, you cannot ride this bicycle. And he said, oh, I will. Uh, and it took him, I think, eight weeks to learn to ride that bicycle because uh, that's the unlearning piece that you were just yeah, yeah. referring to there is we you know, to unlearn something that we have been doing for years. We have neural pathways built around that. We have body memory built around something that's physical like that. And so it's a real challenge to unlearn something. So um, the curious part is he has, has a son, I'm not sure how old his son is, probably six or seven, maybe five, somewhere in that range. Um, they built a bike for him. It took him about a week hmm. to learn, which it shows how um, much the, the mind of a child is just like a sponge mm -hmm. that soaks things up. Plus, he did not have that long history of a neural pathway that was already well-established. So, um, Destin, the, uh, the host of the show, uh, took his bicycle and his son on the road, and they went around and did lectures and, and turned it into kind of an educational thing about how the brain learns and, and such. And um, uh, he would take the bicycle up on stage and have a person from the audience come up, and he would walk down about 10, maybe 12 feet away, hold up a $100 bill, <laughs> said, if you can ride that bicycle here, this money is yours. Nobody ever won it. Uh, and they were someplace in, in Europe, uh, and uh, they were talking about, he was talking to th some of the people from the country there, and they, he said, everybody rides bicycles there. And uh, they talked to him, and, you know, you want to ride our bicycle? And he said, well, sure. He hadn't ridden anything but the backwards bicycle for quite some time. He couldn't ride a normal bicycle. Uh, and But the thing is, which is uh, shows that the neural pathways do not go away. It only took him 20 minutes to learn how to ride the normal bicycle. That has a lot to say to us about anything that we do repetitively, anything that becomes a habit for us. Those habits can become very, very well entrenched in our lives and very difficult to break. Uh, and, and if we're not very careful, you know, once we've done all the hard work and broken the habit, mm -hmm. we can fall back into that very easily. So it's, it's just a, there's some really good lessons in there about learning and unlearning things. And it's just curious and interesting to watch too. So, well, for that, we'll have, I'll be sending me that link. We'll put it in the show notes. So if you're listening and watching right now, uh, just scroll down and uh, you click on that. Maybe don't click on it right now. Finish this show first, uh, but then follow up with that. Uh, we also talked in the pre-show. Um, you mentioned uh, something called the Psalms of Ascent uh, mm -hmm. that we didn't get to in the last mm -hmm. episode. Um, and, and and with those, and maybe I'll frame it this way so we can dive into it for the listener because it's, I think, pretty significant uh, of a tool to use in spiritual formation. So we'll, we'll phrase it this way. How does engaging with the Psalms of Ascent, first of all, what is it? But how does engaging with the Psalms of Ascent help us deepen our relationship with God 
and shape our spiritual journey. The Psalms of Ascent uh, were uh, deeply embedded in the the lifestyle of God's people, uh, Old Testament times, and and so um, there were typically at least one required, but often three pilgrimages to Jerusalem uh, each year. And uh, as people were walking to Jerusalem to participate in uh, the the uh, celebrations that were going on, the sacrifices and such, uh, they would sing the psalms are songs. Uh, they would sing these songs, uh, and they're in our they're in our Bible. They are Psalms uh, one twenty through one thirty four, and there's a couple of really interesting pieces about. Um, what comes through in those psalms? Uh, you get a metaphor. Um, I've used the word in in our podcasts of uh, a process. Uh, the metaphor they use is a journey, mm-hmm. and and so uh, many people talk about the Christian life as a journey, and so there are there are things there in the psalms that that pull that thread out and talk about that and. Uh, you know, things that are helpful for the journey and, and required for the journey and such. There's also the communal part. And, and so people were traveling together. Um, how big a group? I don't know. But when I think about Jesus having been left at the temple mm-hmm. and them not recognizing that Jesus was not with them, I'm thinking there was probably a pretty good crowd there. And they're thinking, yeah, he's back in the crowd talking to somebody or doing something. But no, they missed him. And so, this was this was something that the that the people of God did together. And that reminds me of corporate worship and, and the importance of corporate worship and and how that's a long, rich, and very deep tradition within God's people. And um, you you read about things. There's a wide range of emotions that are discussed within those psalms. Uh, the Bible speaks quite frankly about uh, the emotions that we have as, as individuals. It talks about God's emotions. Uh, Jesus displayed emotions. Emotions are not bad. They are not part of the sinful nature. Uh, but they can be a little bit unruly at times. And, and that's another avenue of learning through the, the process of discipleship and spiritual formation to just you know, be more uh, in control of our emotions. Um, the key thing, though, that I think comes from the Psalms of Ascent is how many different ways it shapes the process of worship and, and the things that, that people did. You know, they, it, it talks about how pe- people felt, how they thought, um, how they, you know, believed what they believed. Um, and it talked about their reliance upon God and, and other factors there. So it's it's kind of a you know if you read if you read one a day and just work your way through those fifteen psalms, you you get a picture of that journey, and you you see you know laid out for you there some pretty key elements that feed into our spirit and and can help shape us and um, uh, it's you know you you know if the if the people of God did it three times a year, we could do it three times a year. It's the, the chapters aren't terribly long. Uh, and so, uh, and it's good reading. Um, 
And uh, Eugene Peterson does have a book, actually, about that, uh, that ser- series of psalms. Well, we'll add that book to the, the compilation for the show notes below. Uh, and this, this title, the title of this episode, rather, Practical Spirituality, Exploring Historical Wisdom for Personal Growth. Uh, you've already mentioned, you know, going straight to Scripture, the Psalms. But within that, you mentioned another culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, if you think about it, another, uh, from what we practice today, another religion, the mm-hmm. Jewish religion. Jewish religion, yeah. So we're borrowing from that um, mm-hmm. or, or using them as a channel uh, for us to go through spiritual formation. And that leads me to kind of a question that can be rocky territory to walk through, um, especially as we're trying to be careful in working out our salvation, careful in what influences we bring into our life. Um, how can we, we'll say, appreciate uh, the contributions of believers throughout history, um, regardless of their denomination, maybe even, and I'll leave this to you, regardless of, uh, I don't want to say religion, I w- we'll keep it to Christianity, uh, but regardless of where they fall into Christianity, um, and how does that relate to our understanding of spiritual experiences and practices? Mm. Minefield. Oh, yeah, fraught <laughs> with it. I, that's why I'm shooting it over to you. All right. <laughs> I just make you. up the questions, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> there is a rich tradition um with within uh, spiritual formation today uh, of looking to other faiths. And um, that is where I think we need to be exceptionally careful. Um, a lot of people, um, rightfully so, uh, have been offended by the fact that there are some authors that tend to draw pretty heavily from some of the Eastern religions. And uh, when I talk about meditation, I'm talking about purposeful thought on a a healthy, safe, appropriate topic. Maybe a passage of scripture, maybe just one word, faith, love, Jesus. Um, Eastern Eastern meditation is all about emptying the mind. And first of all, I don't know that that's even possible, just the way the mind works. I don't know. I've met some people. I, they, they may start there going to meditation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and we elect them. So, <laughs> sorry. I'll allow uh, it. Um, so I, I am, I am very, I'm very cautious about uh, those Eastern influences that, that can creep in through some, some author's writings. And so that's where, and I'll send you some, some other books that, that I would recommend that do they avoid you know, yeah. crossing those barriers, uh, because I think it's very, I think it's it's very dangerous when we start. It's kind of a syncretism where just you know anything goes, uh, and that's not what spiritual formation is about, uh, not from my perspective. Um, now, having said that, um, if we think historically, um, when Jesus was here, I mean, one of the things that was said to Peter is, you know, uh, upon this rock, I will build my church, which grew and developed into what came to be called the Catholic church. And, uh, the reality is that's pretty much all we had uh, for a, a pretty long period of time. These were the people who, uh, went through all the persecution, uh, and, 
the, uh, obviously persecution, not a good thing, but the good thing that came out of that was the gospel was disseminated around the known world at that time because of people being sent out of Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until uh, Constantine um, made Christianity legal in about AD 313, I think, somewhere along in there, um, that uh, it was safe then to, to really come together. And, and that's when uh, what came to be the Catholic Church began to take form and take shape. And that was all we had for an extended period of time. And then um, in about uh, 1050, the uh, Catholic Church and churches points east split. And so we had um, what came to be the Greek Orthodox Church, the Eastern, not Eastern as in Asian, but Eastern European, um, mostly Greek, um, pretty, I mean, obviously they, their worship, their worship is different. Uh, their theology is is different. They would still fall under the cat or the uh, uh, the Christian umbrella. Uh, and then you had the Catholic Church, which was more to the west and more Roman based. And that's all we had uh, for uh, a long period of time till we get up to Martin Luther in in the Protestant Reformation. And so uh, that divided things and has continued to divide things. Uh, and um, this is not a number that I'm pulling out of the air, uh, but there are now an estimated 45,000 different Christian denominations. So when we start, um, and, I, and I'm loyal to my faith, um, that's, that's, I'm not saying we should not be. Uh, but when we think about there being 45,000 different people who identify themselves as Christians, I got to wonder what's going on there. Mm. You know, if, if um, you know, loving, loving God and following God and serving God, if we, you know, there's, in most cases, I find that there are more things that we hold in common than what we disagree about. But those things that we disagree about are really important to some of these folk. And they just can't, they just can't abide that, and so they spin off and start their own thing. Uh, and so uh, that's a dynamic that has been there historically. And so um, I say all that to say that I think when we start looking at reading Christian literature, we really do have to be careful about who is this author, and what pos- position theologically are they coming from. Uh, are they are they playing games with scripture? And and some people will. They, they've went to the high criticism, you know, point where um, essentially they don't trust scripture to be truly the word of God. And you have to be really careful uh, for people that will take one of the key premises of you know, how we view the faith. As, this is God's word. Um, there there are those that. Um, They've made whatever that one point that was so critical for them that caused them to split off. It's like the proverbial three-year-old with a hammer. Everything's a nail. 
and and that's all that's all that they do is they, they hammer that one point that that uh, is their distinctive uh, and um, it's it's to me very unfortunate that we can't find ways to agree together about the things that we do agree about uh, and acknowledge yeah there are differences um, the world's a big place there's eight billion people in this world uh, and um, and, and growing. So um, finding ways to work together as opposed to isolate ourselves, I think, is a, is a much healthier and I think much more Christian approach. So back to your question after that <laughs> long ramble. Um, uh, Catholic literature. Um, you stepped on a landmine there. They did not. And I'm assuming by that you don't mean the greater Catholic church. I do not. You probably mean the Roman Catholic Church. I mean the I mean the Roman Catholic Church. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Exactly. Uh, and I'm not speaking about the um, documents that define the Roman Catholic Church, uh, the the edicts and the and the and the works that the popes have written and and declared to be um, true and of God and and such. What I'm talking about is um, believers through the years that um, took their faith incredibly seriously and um, in the process many times produced some books that tell us about um, the way that they were living their Christian life that are incredibly powerful and helpful. Brother Lawrence, Mm -hmm. great, I mean, just simple, small book, very, very small book. Uh, practice, the practice of practice of presence of God, um, and um, his story is phenomenal. He he went to a monastery to, and he thought he had great gifts of leadership and and such, and that he would go and they would uh, they would elevate him to a place of, of leadership, and you know he'd be doing great things for God. They put him in the kitchen peeling potatoes, and and it was quite the humbling experience for him. But he came to realize that. He could serve God there just as much as he could serve God anywhere else. And so he, he made the commitment to do his, his very best to always stay in an attitude of prayer and to always be in God's presence. And he'll say in his book, he failed miserably at times. Um, because, you know, just to be that sent, you know, zeroed in and locked in. Sure. Again, it's just, uh, you know, it's an it's a incredibly high standard. Uh, I'm not sure is isn't uh, attainable. But what he does do is he makes it okay to set a goal like that, and he gives us pointers in terms of how to keep coming back and recentering ourselves. And one of the greatest things that I like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know lots of times when I'm praying, my mind will wander. Mm. When I'm reading scripture, there's times my mind will wander. And I, you know, I get frustrated with myself because I can't stay focused on what I'm doing here. And this is important stuff. And Brother Lawrence would talk about when his mind would wonder and he would catch himself, he would become aware that his mind had wondered. Instead of feeling shame and failure, he would say, thank you, Lord. You've reminded me that I've drifted away from you. Thank you for bringing me back. And I just, I just find that attitude so incredibly refreshing. There's, there's no shame in that. It's just, and, and it's back to 
the relationship and that plays back into some of the other things that we've talked about in some of the other podcasts about how we view God. And, and he evidently saw God as somebody that was very loving and very gracious and very forgiving and welcoming him back after he took that little mental trip. <laughs> well, as you're mentioning authors like that, even a, a contemporary one, uh, Brendan Manning. Oh yes. Uh, he's, he's not a part of our faith tradition whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's also, he was an, an alcoholic, Yes, uh, struggled with that and, yes. you know, all those things, but man, you read through his writings, uh, ragamuffin gospel, a oh. classic, mm-hmm. uh, all, all those different things that he went, it was just his experience with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that begs the question with me, as you're talking about this, uh, it sounds like we've, or uh, given the listener permission to maybe look at some of these writings, mm-hmm. maybe for the first time they've never, you know, like, Oh, they're Catholic. No, I have to go to the, well, I don't want to name any particular denomination, this denomination's bookstore. When mm-hmm. I go to this particular camp during the summer, I will be able to look at these books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some that get even more rigid than that. Um, so if, if I've had that constraint and now I'm like, okay, well, I might look at this Brennan Manning guy um, I might look at Brother Lawrence. Um, okay. Um, but how can we, as we're going through these texts, and you've mentioned being careful with it, how can we uh, explore the writings, all those things, and still make sure that we're protecting the theology uh, of our tradition? I gravitate, um, I, I'd say, over 50% of the devotional material I read is Catholic. Uh, and I gravitate toward the reader, the writers who are writing about the Christian life. And, and there's not a lot of dogma in that. It's about, it's about the practical matters of, you know, how to stay centered in your prayer life, uh, how to, how to, um, uh, work sp- the spiritual life into the everyday routines, uh, how to fight spiritual battles, mm-hmm. It's, it's those kinds of things. Uh, now, there are some that will have some theology in it. And, you know, I, I, you know I'm fortunate enough that I have, I have um, you know, three graduate degrees that all had a strong biblical component and theological component to them. So I've, you know, I can filter pretty well with that. But, you know, if, if, we're, if we check, uh, you, you know, you can check around, um, you can look at reading lists. I'll, I'll send I'll send you a good size reading list, and um, and ju- then as you read, you take what fits. Uh, and if something is said, you think eh, theologically that just doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it fits. I said okay, set set that part aside, you know, and, and focus on the Christian living piece that is there, and and I think what you'll find is you'll find. Some incredibly deep and rich guidance in terms of just how to live the Christian life. So with with this, we've kind of given permission again. We've we've talked about how we can actually protect our theology as we're walking through some of this. Um, and, and I'm going to use some buzzwords here that that can be you know they can be dangerous. We've been doing all the landmines in this episode, so sure, if you need to send in an email about that. It's Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com. We'd love to clarify. Um, so with this, uh, let me ask you this question. So what steps can we take to embrace 
uh, a more inclusive and holistic approach to spiritual formation that incorporates uh, the wisdom, the contributions of believers. You mentioned that clarification there, the believers uh, from various denominations and historical periods. How do we embrace that? Well, I think um, maybe a qualifier first. Hmm. When we think about inclusive and, and holistic, holistic, then um, you know when I think of those terms in this context, I am not thinking in ways that much of the culture would use those terms today. It goes back to we have to protect our theology. Yes. Okay. And if I'm standing solid on my on my theology in, in what I truly believe that that God's word is saying, then I've got a foundation that I, you know I I can perhaps be open enough just at least I have a conversation with someone in person in real life who is different who worships in a different church different denomination. Um, what's you know what's it like and just be curious, okay. Not trying to say, okay, I'm going to make a switch or, you know, me convert them to my denomination or them convert me to their denomination. It's just a curiosity about here's another brother in Christ. What can we learn from one another? And so to be open to that, I think, is, is one thing. Um, the other is um, if we're going to start reading literature from people of other denominations, uh, even Catholic um, literature, uh, again, we've got to stand firm on our theology. And, and that, to me, is is the single most important thing that comes into play here. If we start vacillating on that and start saying, oh, here, this whole thing of penance, well, okay, I can see, yeah, uh, I can go do this and then you know throw some extra money in the offering and everything be fine. Yeah, it works out well. Yeah, no, no, not so well. <laughs> so... So you know we, we have to we have to know what we believe first of all, and and then knowing what we believe, we have to have that firm commitment to we don't waver, uh, and, and until we find uh, you know the old saying if it ain't broke don't fix it. Uh, there are there are times uh, even within the Church of the Nazarene that I've been part of that you know they have changed some of their standards about different topics mostly social and, and um, uh, practical issues, not so much a theology. Uh, so part of that is recognizing um, this is where the people are and this is where culture has taken us and how can we continue to be distinctive in our claim of seeking holiness in a culture that is much different than it was in 1908. Mm. Uh, and, um, but still you, you have to, you know, being adaptable, but yet firm on who we are and what we believe. I rambled, but oh, I think not so much of a ramble. It, mm-hmm. It's really good. And, and it also, uh, sometimes people that listen to this podcast think that, you know, we, we attack the pastorate in some way, but I think this is a mm-hmm. perfect time to go to your pastor and say, Hey, listen to this podcast, this episode about bringing mm-hmm. in some more of the early church fathers. I bet you're going to blow your pastor's mind, first of all, and, and they probably will have some uh, some recommendations for you uh, from some other denominations that you might read. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talked about going back further, I think, and, and the history of where we've come from as a church. It sounds like the further you go back, 
in time, the safer it may be uh, to to read some of those early church fathers prior to denominational splits, prior to uh, faith tradition mm-hmm. creations. Um, so that's one avenue to go. I will. So we're running out of time here uh, again, um, and we're going to have an episode uh, for uh, a special bonus episode for people just to send in their questions. Uh, and ask those. So if you have those questions, send them to Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com. We'll make sure to get those on the show. Um, but I wanted to give you this question before we uh, have uh, a closing remarks here. But in your experience, what are some of the rewards uh, associated with what we're talking about, the transformational outcomes that come from actively and purposely, like we've talked about, engaging in spiritual transformation, the process of being shaped by God, choosing that. What are those rewards, those transformational outcomes uh, that, in your experience, you've, you've seen? Well, I've tried living without God in my life. It didn't work. Um, uh, and I have, um, I have found that the more that I rely upon God and the more that I seek his presence in my life, the more fulfilled I feel, uh, the more purposeful I feel my life is, um, the greater the degree of confidence that I have in terms of tough times come, we'll get through it. Um, you know, and you know, just not that I don't have tinges of shame that come every once in a while, because um, um, you know I did have a period of rebellion in my life, and I, I think back, and I like, man, I wish I had that time back. Um, but there's no mulligans in life; <laughs> you can't go back and, and try again on stuff like that. But what I do have is the confidence that God looks at those that period in my life differently than how I do when I'm having one of those, what I call a shame attack. Mm. Um, I, and so that brings me back to that place of I am loved, I am accepted, I am his. Uh, and uh, it feels good. And, and when we are connected with God in, in that way, oh man, for me, um, and, and there's an ebb and flow, I think for probably anybody, um, some days just really feel in tune and other days eh, a little off today you don't know what's going on but feel a little distant a little disconnected and you know that's a time to just say lord if there's something going on let me know and so there it's that process of just continuing to enjoy the the, the relationship with god as much as is possible and and um when good things happen, whether it's in my ministry as a counselor or within my family or, or just in life to be able to, to, to say, thank you, Lord, for allowing that to come into my life or facilitating that in my life. Cause, and, and just, you know, including him as part of my normal ongoing conversation. And, um, the more I do that, the, the, the better, healthier, happier I am. Uh, what I'm hearing from you is it's at least one way to keep from that pendulum swing, uh, keeping you out also that moving. I'm in a one up to everyone around me because I'm proud of me mm-hmm. or ooh, I'm lower than everyone. I'm a worm. You're even keel holding yourself in warm regard, 
and then also you're not vacillating from anger to happiness to live. Mm-hmm. You just, you're steady mm-hmm. um, and trying to be as Christ-like as you possibly can. Yes. Um, not, I would not take that so far as to say um, there are no emotions. God created us as emotional beings. And I think emotions are an important part of our life, even the negative ones. Yes. And so there are things, um, there are things in this world that make me very angry. There are, there are injustices being perpetrated against innocent victims that uh, I find incredibly sad. And the more I think about it, the more angry I get. Um, but I feel like it is a genuine righteous anger in the sense that I'm not going to go off on somebody. I'm not going to act out in some way and you know, attack someone. Uh, it's a matter of prayer. It's a matter of financial support, uh, trying to correct an injustice that's a part of our world today. Um, so, yeah, emotions, don't be afraid of emotions is what I'm, what I'm saying here. But don't, you know, emotions can't be the thing that controls us. Mm-hmm. And emotions should not be the, the judge or the test case in terms of the vitality of my faith. So even if I drop down, and I've, self-disclosure, I've had some battles with depression and anxiety all of my adult life. And um, I'm not suicidal, haven't been suicidal, so there's nothing like that. It's not that level of depression. But there are times when I get down. And, um, you know, being able to push through that with God and say, okay, um, here I am again. You've been here before. I know you're with me. Uh, I know I'll get through this because... You've always helped me before. Um, same thing with the anxiety. And, and so it's, it's just, again, working those, the emotional pieces in there in such a way that God is involved in that process. And, um, and it feel, I don't feel out of control emotionally, which unfortunately some people seem to be sometimes. <laughs> Well, yeah, once again, putting into perspective, we are not our emotions. Uh, we are not, mm-hmm. the, our identity is not in what we feel, mm-hmm. an urge, uh, a longing. Uh, all those things aren't what identify us. Um, so no. uh, with with our, our time quickly going away, uh, coming to a close here, I would ask you, like like we do with almost every episode we do, if there's something you'd like to give to the listeners, we're summing up here. Uh, they'll send in questions for for a bonus episode. But if there's something about this topic that we've talked about today um, that you'd like to leave with the listener, something of encouragement, something to do, whatever that might be. What would it be uh, from you, Tim, to the listener today? Um, God is God is always been and always will be. And since the days of the creation of Adam and Eve, um, he has had people on this earth who love him, follow him, serve him. And many of those people have made tremendous contributions to the understanding of what it means to to follow God and serve him. Uh, Let's not be afraid to to, dip into that wisdom and see if there are things there that fit in our day and time. Uh, and I, th- I think uh, the church fathers, especially, you know, uh, they uh, 
These were times of persecution. These were times of great upheaval. They found ways to, to get through this and, and were very vital in their faith. Uh, some of the messages from the Desert Fathers are just incredible. Uh, and, and so uh, yeah, don't be afraid uh, to dip your toe in the water here of, of uh, a broader source of literature. And I think, you know, if you're serious about your faith and if, you, if you've been walking uh, in the faith for a while, you're going to know if you come across something that doesn't feel right. And just say, eh, no, can't go there. Uh, and uh, don't, don't just, unless, unless it seems like every page you're coming across that, you know, don't give up on a book because there's one or two pieces in there that you don't agree with. You know, push through, take the good, because there's a lot of good in history about how, what it means to serve God. Yeah, I think one way of thinking about it, I think it was the uh, the book Gentle and Lowly, where it said looking through some of these uh, historical writings, the original, uh, older writings, and, and from other traditions, keep in mind they are channels, they're not the source. There you go. Uh, so they are working through, we know the source, mm-hmm. uh, so consider the channel, and if you need to switch the channel, that's okay. That's That's just fine. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have uh, for today. Uh, Dr. Barber, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise. Well, you're certainly welcome. And if you have questions or comments about this episode or maybe an idea for a future episode, uh, please send us an email at nate at greatstoryministries.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening and joining in on this episode. Um, if you are listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. Like I say every time, there's no us without you. So get engaged, uh, continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for a new episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.